right, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to John, John chapter 3. Now we have been preaching through John, and uh, this is where we are uh, this morning, and we have preached through John chapter 1, John chapter 2, and now here in John chapter 3. I guess you'd probably say that John chapter 3 is the most popular of all verses, you find John 3.16 at football games, basketball games, baseball games. Uh, you'll find John 3.16, it seems like, anywhere and everywhere. Uh, but there are other verses in John chapter 3 rather than verse 16. Uh, so this morning we want to uh, preach on a thought that I, I labeled it, need the breath of God. Amen. And I think we need the breath of God. I think we need the breath of God. If you're lost without God, you need the breath of God. And today, if we're saved, we still need the breath of God. And we pray that the breath of God would blow this away this morning. Uh, this is a serious note, a serious matter. Without the breath of God, there be no presence of God. Without the breath of God, there be no power of God. Without, the, without the, the breath of God, there'd be no change in any of our lives. And so we pray that that will take place here in this uh, chapter, here this morning as well. So let's stand to our feet one more time and let's read chapter 3 of John and we'll begin in verse 1. We mentioned Nicodemus a little bit last Sunday, but this, this morning we'll follow through to verse 8. There was a man of the, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name here this morning. We're asking God that you'd open our ears and our hearts. God, may our eyes be able to see by, by the light of our God. Father, what in the world are you speaking about? God, what are you telling Nicodemus? What is required of Nicodemus in order to go to heaven? What is it, dear God, that you're presenting to Nicodemus that he might, not, that he might even just see in order to enter into the kingdom of God? God, make it real clear. God, bring it to our attention this morning. If there's anybody without the Lord Jesus this morning, without being born again, we pray, God, that today would be that day of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
And amen. You may be seated. So we find in the scripture this morning this man named Nicodemus. Now this man, Nicodemus, he came out of that crowd in chapter 2 and verse 23. It says, now when he was in Jerusalem, talking about Jesus, at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. Now we know that he's of that crowd because there in verse uh, 2, it says, when he spoke to Jesus, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest. And so during the day of the Passover, there were many that believed uh, in Jesus. And the reason why they done that is because they saw the miracles in which he, he done or he performed. But in verse 24, Jesus said, and Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. In other words, they said they believed in Jesus, but Jesus said, I didn't believe in you. They said, Jesus, we trust in you, but God, the Lord Jesus said, I don't trust in you. He said, they said, well, we commit to you, but Jesus said, I don't commit to you. I mean, that is remarkable what has just taken place. So you're saying this morning, could it be possible to be an unsaved believer? Yes, very much so. Is it possible that you can be a lost believer? Yes, very much so. Is it possible this morning that you can believe there's a God and you can believe that Jesus is real and you can believe that He performed all the miracles in which He did and you can know sort portions of the Bible. You can know all the Bible and still not be saved, still not be born again. Is that true? That is true this morning. And Nicodemus is one of those examples. Matter of fact, there was about 6,000 Pharisees in his day. Uh, there was a, he's the ruler of the Jews, meaning he was of the Sanhedrin. Uh, there was 70 of those guys of that day. And so 6,000 Pharisees and 70 rulers, and the only one that Jesus is talking to or that we even find that we read about in the Bible is Nicodemus, telling us that, yes, they believed in Jesus and they believed in Jesus because of his miracles, but Jesus said, I have nothing to do with you. Yeah. Alarming. Yeah. We find here this morning, my first point is this, is Nicodemus is a believing sinner. He's a believing sinner. In other words, this morning, he believed in the God of Israel. We see that there in verse 2 of chapter 3. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that are a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now who is the God that he's talking about? He's not talking about the God of the Amorites. Not talking about the God of the Canaanites. He's not talking about the God of this world who is the devil. He's talking about God of Israel. 
That's who he knows. He is a Pharisee. He is a Jew. He has memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. He knows it by heart. He's a ruler of those guys. He's a studier of the Word of God. There's not going to be much you're going to tell Nicodemus that he doesn't know. He knows all the stories. He knows all the truths. He knows where Israel came out of. He knows where Israel went. He can, he can tell you all of the, of the prophets. He can tell you all of the, uh, the very scriptures that have been written, the Proverbs, the Psalms. Uh, he can tell you, friend, of all the history of Israel. He can tell you anything and everything that you want to know about this God. This God, though, is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He believed in the God of Israel. In Mark chapter 12 and verse 26 said, and as touching the dead, that they rise have you not read in the book of Moses how that the bush had spoke unto him saying I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob the very God that Nicodemus believed in is the God that spoke through the burning bush there in Exodus amen that's the God he's talking about I just want to make it clear this morning that we're not talking about a man named Nicodemus that believes that a rock is a God or that some, uh, so there's a sun God and there's a water God and there's a fertility God. There's a sheep God and a dog God. Now we're talking about him of Nicodemus. He was a believer in the God of Israel and the God of Israel is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God that created all the world. There's no other God beside him. He's the only living true God that there is this morning. It was then, it is now and it'll be for all of eternity. That's who he believes in. Now this morning, there's a multitude of people out there that say they believe in God. And the Bible says that it's possible that Jesus would say, I don't believe in you. Nicodemus is one of those guys. We find number two, not only did he believe in the God of Israel, but because he believed in the God of Israel, that made him a religious sinner because he believed in the God of Israel. You're telling me that you can be religious and be a sinner? Yes. That's what Nicodemus was. We find that his being a Pharisee, John the Baptist testifies about those Pharisees in Matthew chapter 3 and there in verse 11. We find that John the Baptist is preaching. And as he's preaching, he comes to this verse in verse 7. And when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, that's Nicodemus, come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. He's telling the Pharisees, you're a bunch of snakes. You're a bunch of wicked souls. Uh, you are undone and without God, even though you're religious and even though you believe in the God of Israel, the wrath of God is on its way. The judgment of God is going to lick you up. The sentence of God's going to take you out. You're going to die and go to hell believing in the God of Israel. That's what he said. He found, we find that the Pharisees is a religious sinner. Jesus testifies of them in Matthew chapter 15. And there in verse 1, he's identifying the Pharisees. He's identifying Nicodemus. We find it says this in chapter 15 of Matthew. 
as we look clearly and Jesus gives a clear understanding uh, concerning these people. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem saying, that's Nicodemus, verse 7, ye hypocrites. So now he's calling the Pharisees a hypocrite. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and, their, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandment of men. Oh yes, they're Pharisees, and oh yes, they're religious, but they're sinners. We find the Jews testifies as well. Uh, there in Matthew chapter 16. And look in verse 1. It says, The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And so now the Jews, the Pharisees, are looking for a sign. But Jesus said in Mark chapter, or Matthew chapter 12, verse 39, uh, concerning that crowd, uh, he said it like this. He said, and he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And so we find in the scripture a Pharisee was the religious crowd, the religious group of that day. Nicodemus being the Pharisee of Pharisees, the ruler of the Jews, you can't get no higher than the Sanhedrin. He was of that group and he, the Bible is saying, Jesus was saying and testifying that you want a sign, you want a sign, but an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Yes, you're religious, but you're sinful and you're a sinner. So we find very clearly and very plainly here today that he believe, a believing sinner is made a religious sinner. We find also uh, that Nicodemus, if you'd read Matthew chapter 13, uh, 23, and there in verse 2, it says, And therefore, well, verse 2 says, And the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, for observe and do, but now you do not after their works, for they say and do not. And they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne. They lay them on men's shoulders. They, they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge their borders of their garments, love to the uppermost parts of the feast and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and be called of men rabbi, rabbi. And uh, what he's saying is this, is that these Pharisees, Nicodemus was one who as they kept the law matters very sincerely. Matter of fact, he kept all the Sabbath days. Every Sabbath they would observe. Uh, they, the tithing, uh, they gave all that they had, amen. They gave 30% of all their income. The Pharisees, Nicodemus did that. Uh, they also were circumcised if you was a male. All males were circumcised. Also, you'll find the cleanliness. They would wash their hands. They would wash their pots. They would wash anything and everything. They had to wash their feet. Everything had to be clean. And so they find cleanliness. They also were of kosher foods. They only ate things that were kosher. They wouldn't eat anything with pork. They wouldn't eat anything uh, that was not on the dietary law out of the Old Testament. Uh, they were also 
ones that fasted twice a week. Uh, they also was ones that kept all the holy days. They were ones that kept the traditions of the elders. Back in the Old Testament, they kept all the feasts. They kept all the festivals. They were, they were followers of Moses. Uh, there were 70 of the Sanhedrin, and he was the ruler of the Jews. If I would say to you that here is a man that I want to tell you named Nicodemus. He went to church twice a week. He fasted twice a week. He gave 30% of all his tithes. He never missed a meeting. He never missed a holy day. He was circumcised. Anything and everything that the Old Testament has given, he applied. He went by it. He did it. Would you say he was saved? And many of people said yes. Hey, come join this church. Right? Be part of this membership. I mean, you give tithes twice, you give tithes and you come to church twice a week and you do all that the, all that the Word of God has said today. You know what? You must be saved. You must be born again because that's what people who are born again do. But Nicodemus was just a religious sinner. He did all those things. He did it well. He did it week after week, year after year. He would do it to the day he died. We find this morning that he was one that was a religious sinner. Number two, I noticed that he was a righteous sinner. He was a righteous sinner. I mean, he lived right. You'll find that he wasn't one uh, this morning that would go out and rob and steal. He wouldn't, he wouldn't take from the poor. Uh, he was one that lived an upright life. He was one that was good and kind to his family. He was good and kind to the neighbors. Oh, he was one today that he would give in the way of charity. You'll find he was an honor man. He was a man with integrity, a man with character. He was outstanding in the community. He would look upon him and say, wow, this man here... He is one that's a realer follower of this God of Israel. He's a righteous man. He's a religious man. But he was a sinner. And so we find this morning, not only did, did he believe in the God of Israel, uh, but he believed in Jesus. John chapter 3 this morning. He believed in Jesus. He said about Jesus... He said, Jesus, you are a teacher. In verse 2, he says, thou art a teacher. That word teacher there, and he called him rabbi, meant master or doctor or instructor. So he was very respectful to Jesus. He was very honorable to Jesus. He, he recognized him as a teacher uh, that is uh, of a rabbi status. We're talking about one who is the leader of all. And so he looked at Jesus and said to Jesus, Not only do I believe in the God of Israel, but I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you're a teacher that came from God. I believe that you're a teacher that God is in. I believe you're a teacher that God has sent. Amen? And I say God's all over you, Jesus, and all through you and all you and you. You're not just somebody out there. You're something of a special kind. You're one that God sent and the one that God has filled and the one that God is using. And so in the mind of Nicodemus, who was a righteous man and religious man, he took the being a very serious uh, way of saying to, to Jesus, I honor you. And as we look and as we see, 
We find uh, that he recognized him as coming from God, being attached to God, connected to God, empowered by God. He realized that he was like no other one. Uh, Jesus was supernatural, that Jesus was miraculous, that Jesus was godlike. For he says there in verse 2 that no man, no man can do these miracles. And so as he's looking at Jesus, he said, Jesus, you're something special. There ain't a man out in the world that can do what you can do. I mean, you're like God-like. You're like a super. You're like a, a beyond our imagination. Who in the world can look, look at water, take water and turn it into wine? Who can take the deaf and can sick and hear and the blind and see? Who can make the lame uh, that can't walk to walk? Who can raise the dead? Who can cast out the demon? Who? Tell me who is that? Nobody can do that. And Nicodemus is looking at Jesus and I believe in you. There ain't nothing you can't do. There ain't nothing at all that you're going to be able to not do. God is in this. And boy, Nicodemus being a religious man and a righteous man, as he looked at Jesus, he recognized him and realized him. But then I will say here thirdly, he only believed in the God of Israel, but he believed in Jesus, but he also believed in Nicodemus. He believed in himself. Because I want you to notice in verse 2, the Bible says the same came to Jesus by night. He came to him personally. So if you ever are going to get out of your religious status and out of your righteous condition, and you're ever going to stop just believing in Jesus and get to the place where you can get saved, you're going to have to come to a place in your life when you believe in you. And believing in you is this, as it was for Nicodemus, he came at night. You know why he came at night? Now, there's a bunch of preachers that tell you this because he was scared or because he was embarrassed or because he was kind of shy and he, didn't, he wanted to do it at night so nobody could see it. They called him the secret one. I don't believe that at all. I believe that Jesus was about, and you know, everywhere Jesus was, there were crowds. And everywhere Jesus was, he was doing the work that God had sent him to do. He's healing. He was saving. He was changing lives. And everybody was attracted to Jesus because of the miracles, right? right? That's why they were coming unto him. And so it had to be that Nicodemus came to a place in his life. And he said to me, he said to himself, you know what? I'm Nicodemus. I'm a religious man. I'm a righteous man. I believe in the God of Israel. I believe in Jesus. You know what makes me want to do? I need to go talk to him. But I can't talk to him with all the people that are around. I'm going to have to go to him at night. I'm going to have to go to him alone. If you notice that this, this taking place was alone. Nobody else was around. Nobody was in the picture. Nobody was listening. Nobody was about. It looks like there was a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. And this morning, if you ever are going to be saved and go to heaven, you're going to have to come to a place when you begin to believe in yourself and say, I need to get with Jesus alone. I can't get to Jesus through mama and through daddy. I can't get to Jesus through internet and Google. I can't get to Jesus through friends and neighbors and cousins. I can't get to Jesus through pastor or church members. I've got to get to Jesus alone. And so you've got to find a time in your life where you believe enough in you that you can come to Jesus alone. 
and say, it's me and you, Jesus. I can't lean on nobody else. I, I can't take anybody else's thought. I can't, I can't take in nobody else's belief. Me and you. And we find he came to Jesus personally. Number two, I notice that he came to Jesus privately. Privately. It was just him and Jesus. It was at night. Nobody else is around. And Fred, if you're ever going to find yourself being saved, you're going to have to come to Jesus privately. you got to come to Him personally and privately. And you got to come alone. you got to do it when nobody else is around. We find that He, had, he came to Him in a way of passionately. And we know that he came to him passionately because why would you come to Jesus and why would you uh, say anything to Jesus? Why would you do that when everybody else is just gathering around Jesus? Because there was something in the heart of Nicodemus. And we know that by the response of Jesus. Jesus said, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now in verse 2, Nicodemus said nothing about the kingdom of God. Jesus, Nicodemus said nothing about being born again. Now I could, I could, I could probably understand it better if in verse two or verse one, if Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said, "Jesus, what does it mean to be born again?" Right. I might understand that. Right. I might even understand if if Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, "Hey, Jesus, I heard that you got to be born again. Could you explain that to me?" Or he could have went to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, I'm religious and I'm righteous and I believe in you and I believe in God. But you know what? Uh, there, there is just something I need to ask you is that how is a man born again? But those questions were not asked. But because Jesus knows what's in every man, and because Jesus knows who man is, whenever Jesus was fronted by Nicodemus, Jesus read his heart, he read his mind, he read his will, and as soon as he came, he knew that Nicodemus was lacking something, and that was he was lacking being born again. But he also knew what he was looking for. He was looking for the kingdom of God. So within the heart of this righteous man in the heart of this religious man he come to Jesus Jesus read him he said let me tell you how to get to the kingdom of God in which you're trying to get to and you're trying to get to it by believing in the God of Israel and by believing in my miracles but you don't get there that way that's where some of y'all at today you're trying to get to the kingdom of God but you're trying to get to the kingdom of God in different ways. You ever heard anybody say that before? Hey, there's many ways to heaven. That's a lie of the pits of hell. Don't let the devil deceive you with that statement. Friend, we find here Nicodemus come to Jesus, Jesus knowing all things. Uh, he's mentioned to him, here's how you get to the kingdom of God, Nicodemus. Jesus read his mind. He knew what, was, what he was lacking. Jesus read his soul. He knew where he was at. He knew that Nicodemus was empty. He knew that he was hopeless. He knew that he was full of darkness. Although he was righteous and although he was religious, he was empty. For he wouldn't have went to Jesus and Jesus wouldn't have told him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born, a, born again. He wouldn't have said that to him. 
You can even see the kingdom of God, Nicodemus. So you might be here this morning and you're empty. You're trying drugs, you're trying alcohol, you're trying women, you're trying education, you're trying work, you're trying money, uh, you're trying to fill this emptiness. Uh, you might be here with the hopelessness in your heart. Uh, you, you don't even know if you'd die today, if you'd go to heaven or not. Uh, you have no assurances that tomorrow you will live and where you die tomorrow where you would go. And so there's hopelessness in you. You have really no hope for the future. You got really no hope for your, your, the, where you're headed and where you're going and how you're going to get there. And that was Nicodemus. Right. Even though he was a very rich man. He was a very religious man. He was a very righteous man. But Jesus looked down deep and said, you're looking for a kingdom of God. Yeah. But I'm telling you, Nicodemus, you can't even see it unless you're born again. Wow, I can just imagine what he was thinking. I could say here the authority of, the, of this remark. Look there in verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily. Now that word verily means truly. Now why did he say it twice? Well, I believe this with all my heart. He said, Verily, God the Father. Verily, God the Son. I say unto you. Is God Jesus and Jesus is God? Amen. That's right. John chapter 10 verse 30 said, I and my father are one. And the Bible teaches very clear, very plain. He says, verily, verily, truly, truly Nicodemus. Truly, truly, God the Father and God the Son is about to speak to you, dear friend. Amen. And I will tell you, that's the authoritative uh, power that Jesus has in his words. Yes. I want you to get that. God the Father, God the Son, truly, truly, I say unto you. That's his authority. How about his accuracy? His accuracy over his remark, he was saying to verse 3, was, Nicodemus, you're unsaved because you need to be born again. Nicodemus, you're unborn. You're an unbeliever. Now, what made him an unbeliever? Well, he, may, he believed in the miracles, but he didn't believe on Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He, he also uh, didn't believe in him. In John chapter 3, verse 3, we find that Jesus didn't trust in him, and Jesus didn't believe in him, and Jesus didn't commit to him. Even though he believed in him, Jesus did not believe in him, and that made him not being born again. So let me stop and say this. A lot of us in our salvation has come to a place in our minds, when did I make that decision? When did I make that choice? Did I pray the right prayer? Did I, did I do the right thing? You know, to be saved, seven steps, seven steps, three steps. Did I follow all the steps? Did I, did I say exactly what that preacher told me to pray? Uh, did, did, is all things well? Did I line up? Did I do all that? And basically what he's saying to Nicodemus, Jesus is, is saying, Nicodemus, it's not in your hands. That's right. You see, you did all you could do, Nicodemus. You believed in the God of Israel. Mm -hmm. You believed in me and my miracles. And you're still unsaved. I'm telling you, Nicodemus, you don't make the decision when you get saved. No, sir. Did you know that? No. You don't decide no, 
when you get born again in order to go to heaven. You don't make that choice. You have no business. It's none of your business if you go to heaven or not. Did you know that? I mean, salvation today in the midst of where we live is false salvation. You can see that by the way people live. But it's false salvation in the fact that you think that you have made a decision and choice, that you have made a, a, a very much of a mind that I said, okay, today I get saved. Tomorrow I get saved. I get saved. I'm sitting in the church here. I get saved. I let Jesus have my heart. But friend, that is not your business. That's right. See, salvation is the business of God. Not the business of man. A lot of emphasis is put on the sinner. Sinner, what did you pray? Did you repent? Did you believe? What did you believe? And how did you believe it? We put a lot of emphasis on the sinner. And yet salvation and all the emphasis is on the spirit. Nicodemus, I can just imagine what he's thinking. He's thinking, well, I'm just... I don't know. Some of y'all are like that this morning. I don't even know no more. I don't even know what salvation really is. I don't know what to even think anymore. I mean, uh, can you explain? Well, Nicodemus was a believing sinner. At this point, he's lost. But number two, he turned into a bewildered student. And if you will become a bewildered student, you'll get born again too. But you could be a believing sinner and die and go to hell, but you could become a, be- a bewildered student and begin to learn what it means to be born again. We find number one, the student's response in verse four after Jesus said to him in verse three. Look what his response is. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter in the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now that's a great question. Can you imagine Nicodemus? If I would ask you, what does it mean to be born again? All we really know, birth is being in the human aspect. Right? We understand that. And that's all he's thinking. He's thinking in the physical. He's thinking in the mindset of I was born, and if I got to be born again, that means I got to go back into my mother's womb, and I got to come out for the second time. And you say, well, that's stupid. No, that's not stupid. Uh, That's a great question. Because it tells us that he's understanding what birth is. He's understanding that. He understands about a new baby. He he talks about going back into his mother's womb and then being born, a new baby. He's understanding uh, of being just born. He's understanding the created of life. And then secondly, not only was it a great question, but it was a good question. And the reason why it was a good question, because it tells us what he don't understand. He don't understand that it is God gives the birth. He believes in the birth, but he don't understand that God gives the birth. Not only does God give the birth, but God creates the life. And he doesn't understand that God makes babes. Did you hear me? You don't make babies. He understands that God makes babies. Hey, it was a grand question. Because it tells us what God 
is about to let us know. It leads us right into the new birth. The new birth being born of God, born of the Spirit, born from above. It all means the same. I want you to notice not only the student's response, but I want you to notice the teacher's reply. Jesus being the teacher. Remember he said, told him in verse 2 he's a teacher? Well, Jesus is teaching. He says to Nicodemus, again, he lets him know his authority. He says in verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, what does that mean? Truly, God the Father, truly, God the Son. Then he goes on and says, I say unto thee, Jesus is God. That's authority. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now this is not his authority that he showed there, but he knows the answer he gave. He said, except a man be born of water. Now we're talking about human terms, aren't we? Wasn't it Nicodemus in his little old mind and it's only that he... Now, Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. He was a 70 of the Sanhedrin. He was one of the smartest guys in Jerusalem. He was one of the well-educated men that you could find. When you become of a Sanhedrin, friend, uh, you have doctorates and masters and uh, your PhDs. I mean, you are, you are off the charts in all that you know and all that you have intellectually. But now, uh, he's talking to Jesus, which you can't get no higher than Jesus. And Jesus asks him, or tells him about being born again, and he refers back to the physical birth. So Jesus stays with the theme. He says, except you be born of water. Now some people say that's baptism. But it can't be baptism because if it was baptism, baptism always deals with death. Isn't that true? That when you stand up before the Lord, you're saying, Lord, I'm died. I died to myself. I died to the, my sin. I died to this world. And I ask you to save my soul. And when we put you under the water, you're saying, I'm being buried with Jesus. I died with Jesus. I buried with Jesus. How did you get buried? Because you died. Right. Baptism is not has anything to do with life. No. I raise you up in the newness of life. The baptism has everything to do with death, but nothing with life. So it can't be water and the water baptism. It's not the Word of God. He's saying, you're born of water. And every one of y'all in this room has been born of water. Right? Right? Whenever a, a woman who has, is, is pregnant, going to have a baby, uh, when she says to her husband, my water has broke, you better break. It's time to go. Right? Because all of us are born all the same way. And what Jesus is saying in the mind, because he's staying with Nicodemus in his mind, because this is way too much for Nicodemus. He's saying, listen, uh, you got to be born of water, Nicodemus. That means you got to be born of a woman. Pretty simple so far. He says, now, once you're born of a woman, meaning that you have physical birth, you are physically and naturally and humanly, he said, now you got to be born of the Spirit. So he says that in verse 5, and of the Spirit. He cannot enter to the kingdom of God. And so if you're not born in water, you can't go to heaven. And if you're not born of the Spirit, you can't go to heaven. 
And so we find Jesus saying, not only do you have to be humanly born and naturally born and physically born, but you're going to have to be godly born, heavenly born, and spiritually born. In other words, you can't go like you are. Nicodemus, you might have a lot of education and you've got a lot of experience and you believe in the God of Israel and you believe in me because of my miracles. But friend, you've got to be born spiritually. So it puts in a kind of like what in the world? Now, if you and I, as we know this morning, in order for us to be physically born, it's going to require a mother and a father. Right? They ain't changed that yet, have they? I don't think so. And so it's going to require a mother and a father. Well, in order for us to be born again, it's going to require a mother and a father. Amen? It's going to require the Word of God, and it's going to require the Spirit of God. Those two work together on the sinner to bring them to the place of being born again. And we find this morning... uh, that this is not something new. Matter of fact, this is something that's already been told to us. Look at John chapter 1. And look there in about verse 12. The Bible says, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. We find in this scripture, verse 13 says, Which were born, not of the blood, of the will of the flesh, but of God, but not of the will of man, but of God. See, in John chapter 1 and verse 13 tells us you've got to be born of God. Well, how do we get born of God? Well, you get born of God, friend, uh, when you come to a place, whenever you put your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive Jesus Christ, and you're conceived by the Spirit of God. Amen. That's what it requires. Yes, sir. That's what John 1, 12, 13 says. So it's not something new. He says, you cannot enter to the kingdom of God without the Son of God and the Spirit of God. Without you believing in Jesus as being God and receiving Jesus as your Lord and the Spirit of God conceiving you, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I want you to notice thirdly, his application. He makes it very clear again in John chapter 3. And verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the mother, that which is born of the water, the best it ever can be is flesh. You can be righteous flesh, religious flesh, rich flesh, but the best you can do without something outside of you is flesh. So this morning it's very, very understandable uh, that you and my and me who's just born in flesh unless something else outside our abilities, something else outside of our powers makes a difference in our lives, we that are flesh are just flesh. We can put clothing on. We can put makeup on. We can lift weights. We can run miles. We can eat greens. We can change up our education. We can move in a finer house. We can drive a nicer car. We can take a bunch of medicines and supplements. I mean, we can do a lot of things that we can do to make different us to look different, uh, maybe even feel different, uh, maybe even, uh, maybe even uh, do different. 
But we're still at the end of day flesh. And the Bible says that there's no flesh that pleases God. There's no flesh that is justified by God. In other words, this morning, if you stay right where you are and you do nothing, you do nothing but believe in Jesus, you believe in God, you believe in the Bible, you believe in church, you believe in all these things, and you got all that belief, and you do well. You're a good person. You've got character. you got integrity. You're a good child. You're a good husband. You're a good mother. You're good at work. I mean, listen, you are the finest of all fines. You're an upstanding community service man or woman this morning. Yet, If that's all that it is, you're still just flesh. So it's very clear in verse 6 that his flesh is flesh. But then he says that his spirit is spirit. And so we find once you get born of the spirit, you're of the spirit. Right? So you're not the flesh anymore. You're the spirit. So the flesh and the spirit are two separate. They cannot cult men. They cannot bind. They cannot come together. Either you're born of the spirit Are you born of the flesh? We find it very clear, very plain this morning that man and God are separated. Unsaved and saved are different. Natural and spiritual are opposite. You're not going to heaven, friend, because you're righteous flesh and religious flesh and because of richness flesh, you won't go there. You've got, according to Scripture, be born of the Spirit. His announcement's made in verse 7. He said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. Before he said in the Scriptures, he said, Except a man be born again. In verse 3, he says in verse 5, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. But in verse 7 he says, Ye must be born again. There's no debate. There's no discussions. There's absolutely nothing this morning that you and I can argue with with God. Uh, There's no deliberations at all. He said, marvel not. He says, don't wonder at this. Don't doubt this. Don't pause. Don't hesitate. Ye must be born again. And boy, he just lays it down right there. Now who is speaking? God the Father. God the Son. He says to all mankind, ye must be born again. Must, must. Necessity. Need. You can't bypass it. You can't overlook it. You can't get around it. You can't come up with something different. You can't change it. He says you must be born again. Can I say to you, dear friend, You must be born again. Are you born again? In order to enter into the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. Well, brother, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Are you or aren't you? We find that to be born again, you've got to believe the Word. The Word is God. You've got to receive the Word. That's Jesus. Jesus was told in John chapter 1 verse 29 that he's, he is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That's, that's redemption. 
When you believe in Jesus Christ and you receive Jesus Christ, you get redeemed. Right? We find after comes redemption. That means that you have embraced Jesus. You have taken Jesus. You engaged in Jesus. You seized in Jesus. You hold Jesus. And then what happens in verse 13? It says you're born of God. The sinner in regeneration. And that's when you get born of God is regeneration. That word born again means born from above. It means you've been regenerated. In the birth of Jesus Christ, you get redeemed. You get reconciled. Uh, you find yourself in redemption, paid for your sin. But with the Spirit of God, you get regenerated. In other words, you get life. Right. You remember Adam? When he was in Genesis, he died. Right. What did he die of? He died spiritually. And when we find that we come and believe Jesus Christ as Savior, we receive Him as our Lord and Savior. The Spirit of God bursts us into the kingdom of God. And now our dead spirit comes alive. And now that we can worship God in spirit and in truth. That's being born again. You've got to be regenerated. You've got to be redeemed. We find... Very clearly, according to the scripture here, uh, that the regeneration is completely God's obligation. Amen. Do you know this morning, you might choose Jesus, but that don't mean that Jesus chooses you. And do you understand this morning that there's nobody in this room can make a choice or decision to be regenerated? That's not your choice. You don't have to say so in being regenerated. Now he goes to verse 8. And really here's the message. I know I went a long time for that just to tell you the message. He gives an analogy in verse 8. He says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Three things about the Spirit I want to preach on, then I'll close. Number one, the Spirit is independent. Amen. Now he's telling Nicodemus, and I'm telling you this morning by the Lord, that nobody go to heaven unless you're born of the Spirit. Nobody. All right, well, the first question, humanly thinking, is. How do I get this spirit? Right? If you're telling me, and God's telling me, I cannot go to heaven unless I'm born of the spirit, then where is the spirit so I can be born of the spirit? Well, the first thing that Jesus tells Nicodemus, he says that the spirit of God is independent. Right? right? It goes where it listeth. Right. All that means is this, is that the spirit of God, like wind, it goes where it wants to. It goes how it wants to. You can't control the wind. You can't command the wind. You can't counsel the wind. You can't go outside in a minute and say, wind, stop blowing. Hey, wind, start coming from the north. Hey, wind, I need you to send a little breeze through here. I mean, the wind will do what the wind wants to do. Now, can you imagine you're sitting here as Nicodemus, and Jesus is just through telling him, you're lost, Nicodemus. 
And you cannot see the kingdom of God, nor can you enter into the kingdom of God unless you're born of the Spirit. And he says, now the Spirit is independent and it goes wherever it wants to go, whenever it wants to go. That's right. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you know, tell me to go to a place. Tell me to... Go to the store and ask for a product. Uh, I mean, give me get on, online and get on Google there and say, Spirit, uh, come to my house in three days by Amazon. Here I am, Nicodemus. I'm dying and fix a split hell wide open. And Jesus said, you've got to be born of the Spirit, Nicodemus. He said, okay, fine. Where's the Spirit? It goes wherever it wants to go. Really? Yeah, it's like the wind. I mean, you, you, you just here, there, yonder. I mean, sometimes, it, sometimes the wind comes fast. Sometimes the wind comes slow. Sometimes the wind don't come at all. Right. Is that right? That's, right? That's the Spirit of God. So you're telling me, uh, Nicodemus would ask, you're telling me, Jesus, I must be born again in, go to, in order to enter to the kingdom of heaven. So that means somewhere down the line, uh, the Spirit, the wind's got to blow. And, and so where do I know where he's blowing? Don't know. Well, how do I get saved when he blows? Well, where is he blowing? Don't know. When is he going to start blowing there? No idea. So my salvation is waiting on the blowing of this wind? That's right. I believe that he died and buried resurrected. I believe all that he did. I believe all this. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. You've got to have the wind blowing. The only way to get to heaven is being born of the Spirit. And you can't get born of the Spirit unless the wind blows. It's serious right now. I know y'all ready to go home, but I'm not. The Spirit of God's independent. We don't know if He's here right now or not. Right. We don't know. We don't know if He's come or gone. Do you know? It requires the Spirit of God in order for you to get, get born again, and we don't know if He's here or not. No. Huh. That's scary. Yeah. Because, see, you thought you'd get saved when you make a decision for Christ. See, you thought that you could just say, okay, today I'm going to turn from my sin and today I'm going to ask Jesus into my heart and God said, not so fast. You've got to have the Spirit there. How come people don't preach this? I'll tell you why. Because they want everybody to be saved, but everybody be saved in their own way. And the majority of church members today are lost without God. We find this morning the Spirit's independent, but then we notice in verse 8 the Spirit is invisible. It says, And he, thou hearest the sound thereof. I was outside and I lived by a bunch of trees yesterday and I had a limb that fell down, I had to cut it up and put it in this brush pile. But I, as I was working out, I heard, I heard, it was the wind. They tell me, I've never been in a tornado, but they tell me when a tornado can't comes, it's like a train sound. I've been in a hurricane, and I remember the hurricane, the winds were going, whoo. 
we go outside in a minute, you'll find that you cannot see the wind. Can you see the wind? Can you touch the wind? Can you hold the wind? Can you, can you go and collect the wind? Like, I got you now. Let me ask you a question, dear friend. Your heaven and hell is depending upon you being born of the Spirit. Amen. And this Spirit is independent. You don't know when it's coming, when it's not coming. You don't even know where it's at. Right. So you can't find it. And then the very thing that's going to create you to be born again called the Spirit is invisible. Right. You can't see it. You can't grab it. You can't touch it. You can't even feel it. Can you imagine what Nicodemus is thinking? What are you thinking? Can I say thirdly, that the Spirit of God is not invisible. The Spirit of God is independent. But we find that with that effect as a mom and a dad, we can say it like this this morning, that nobody born here decided that you would be born. Raise your hand if you said, yeah, I'm born on the day that I request to be born on. Then what makes you think spiritually you can be born again on the day that you request to be born again on? If you can't do that humanly, you cannot do that spiritually. Number two, not only did you not decide to be born, but you didn't decide to what you would look like. Is that right? I'll tell you number three. You didn't decide who you're going to be. You didn't decide what you're going to look like. And you didn't decide who was going to be your parents. Right? Now, who decided all that? God. Well, who's going to decide whether you get born again? God. So don't come to me and say what you did. You better come to God and say what God did. Right. Amen. And we say here thirdly, I know it's getting past. I know your roast is getting burnt. Your, your, your potatoes are getting scorched. The old rolls are getting browned. The old, pot, the old, the old, the old uh, brownies with pecans, with a little bit of caramel. The Spirit of God is inexplainable. He says in verse 8, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. Can anybody in this room, honestly, and we're serious right now, can you explain how you got saved? You can't. You can't. It's inexplainable. You don't know when the Spirit cometh, you don't know when the Spirit goeth. But in order to get born again, you've got to have the Spirit. It's invisible. You can't see it. You can't catch it. You can't hold it. You can't touch it. Right. Oh, we find this morning unexplainable. Charles Spurgeon was a man. Y'all heard Charles Spurgeon before? He was an old preacher long days gone by. He grew up in a home where his daddy was a preacher. He grew up in a home when his daddy was a preacher. So his grandpa was a preacher. He was a preacher. From the very time of his birth, he was in church. And he heard his grandpa preach. He heard his daddy preach. 
one night at the age of 16 years old, it was time to go to church on a Sunday. It was snowing so bad that he couldn't get to the church where he regularly attended. So he decided that he's just going to go right around the corner because it's not very far. So in the snow, he goes, he gets to that church, he sits down. This man comes up, makes the announcement. He said, the preacher, not going to be able to make it tonight. He snowed in. Very few people were there. The man got up. He taught the Word of God. That day, Charles Spurgeon got saved. How does that happen? Why didn't he get saved younger? He's, he heard preaching of his father, preaching of his grandfather, preaching of other preachers. Sixteen solid years. But on that one day, on a Wednesday night, on a snowy night, when a guy who don't even have a name, he don't even know his name, he got up there because his preacher didn't show up and he was just trying to take care of the services. Got up there, gave the gospel. The wind of God's Spirit blew in. And it spoke to this boy's heart. And he got born again. Can you explain that? Why it took 16 years and why it took over thousands of preachers of preaching? Jonathan Edwards. You ever heard that that, that message he preached, sinners in the hands of an angry God? Y'all heard that before? A month before he preached that, there was another time he preached it. Now, while he preached it this time, they, they say in the recordings I've read that people were holding on the back of their pews, afraid that they would fall into hell right there. The Spirit of God was so real and so strong that they could, they could see hell. They could feel hell. The Spirit of God was converting people. A month before he preached the same message, Nobody got saved. Nobody moved. What was the difference? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. You know what we need tonight or this morning? And what you need to be saved is that the Spirit of God would blow. And when He blows, He bursts you. You're not going to make a decision, you're not going to make the choice. You're going to move because the Spirit of God has moved you. And you're going to come. You're going to humble yourself. You're going to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to receive Him as Lord. You'll turn from your sin. And you're born of the Spirit of God. But it only happens when the Spirit of God is present. You can't explain it. I'm 25 years old. I've been in church since I was the age of 15 and probably earlier. 15 years old, I made a profession of faith. heard preaching after preaching after preaching after preaching. Ten years later, October 30th, 1988, at Wednesday night, down at Parkwood Baptist Church, I came to the altar and bowed my head and bowed my heart, and I was born again. Why did it take 10 years? And why that night? And why that message? I'm going to tell you why. You cannot control the Spirit of God. It's independent. It's indivisible. It's inexplainable. 
He comes when He wants. He leaves when He wants. He'll stay when He wants. You're not demanded. You're not commanded. And when He comes and you have Him, you better move. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. We need the breath of God. We need the breath of God. God help. So what was Nicodemus' response? How can these things be? I'm sure in this room here, some of your response is the same way. Brother, I just don't understand. Well, it may be so. It's not that easy to explain. And you may be in here this morning and you said, I don't understand. Well, I just want you to understand, though, this. Without being born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you're going to hell, even if you don't understand. So I would say to you who don't understand, I've got to begin to seek. I've got to, I've got to begin to look. What do I need to do? Where I need to be so that the Spirit of God will pass by that I can be born again. He had turned my dead spirit into life. He had moved me from death unto life. Is the Spirit of God this morning speaking to you? If He is, respond. You sing, Brother George. Have you really been born of the Spirit? Or have you just believed? And you're trying to live a certain way of life. You're trying to fit into a cookie-cutting pattern. You think you might know what a Christian is, and you're trying to just live it. But really, it's not in you. Because you're not born again. You're frustrated. You're aggravated. You can't get sin out of your life. You just can't be right and do right. You have an emptiness in your heart. You, there's nothing to fulfill you. You try it with drugs, alcohol, women, pornography. You're trying it with anything and everything. It just never seems to satisfy. You need to be born again. You don't have power. If you ain't got power to put down a cigarette, you sure don't have power to get to heaven. You ain't got power today to live for God. You ain't got power to go to heaven. The Spirit of God is that power, is that person. God help. Blessed be your name. Please. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for this message. Thank you for Nicodemus. Thank you for the truth that you showed us today. God showed us who really saves and God really who bursts us into the kingdom of God. And Lord, I'm so grateful that it's not my decision and choice, it's yours. God, that anyone here that's not saved, God would yield to you. I pray your cause, dear God, this morning. Father, where they go and where they end up today and at home, at work, Wherever they're at, Lord, I pray the Spirit of God would blow. 
that they might get saved, born again, born of the Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you, church. Long the distance that he fell Far removed from hope and heaven Near to deep despair and hell But there was a fountain opened And the blood of God's own Son Purifies the soul and reaches Deeper than the stain has gone conscious of that deep pollution sinners wander in the night even though the shepherd's calling still they fear to face the light this the tender consolation that should melt the heart of stone this sweet balm of Gilead reaches deeper than the stain has gone all unworthy we who've wandered and our eyes are wet with tears as we think of love that sought us through the dreary wasted years yet we walk the holy highway for the pure the blood washed alone knowing calvary's fountain reaches deeper than the stain has gone when with holy throngs we're standing in the presence of the King and our souls are lost in wonder as the white-robed choirs shall sing then we'll praise the name of Jesus with the millions around the throne praise him for the power that reaches Deeper than the stain has gone. Praise the Lord for full salvation. God still lives upon the throne. And I know the blood still reaches deeper than the stain has gone.